So let's read uh, from 2 Corinthians 1, 1 to 11. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm just going to check with our sound guys, see if we're recording. Yeah. It's a new, it's a new, uh, it's a new thing for us. Wonderful. Um, this is a wonderful scripture uh, and it speaks to us because I think it's true to say for us that uh, this pandemic has shocked us. It's shocked us here. It's shocked the world. It was unprecedented, unpredictable. Um, and it's an awful reminder of just how fragile we really are. How easily we fall at the mercy of an enemy that we can't understand. We can't even see. Quite naturally, people have experienced uh, varying amounts of fear, anxiety, and panic. And we all, I think we're all feeling the discomfort of an unpredictable future, a loss of control, and a deep concern for those who are most vulnerable in our society. Fear is an incredibly powerful emotion. And it's horrible to see how it drives people to act in ways that normally they couldn't imagine themselves acting. Hoarding, panic buying, stealing, getting into fistfights in supermarkets, abusing pharmacists. We've seen some really horrible things in the last few days. And of course, there have also been some acts of wonderful kindness, truly lovely gestures towards those who are disadvantaged the most at this moment, the elderly, the disabled, the homeless, those who are immunocompromised. But as things get worse, as people feel the pinch more, it will become immensely tempting to think, I've done my bit. I've done my bit. Now it's time to look after me, to look after mine. 
and let me be honest, and I hope you can be honest with yourselves as well. I've been shocked at my own reaction sometimes. Being in the supermarket, seeing a fresh pallet of milk come out and just wanting to grab and run with my three liters of light milk, which not didn't, wouldn't normally buy, but it's the only thing left. How have you found yourself reacting in moments when maybe you, the things you think, the things you do haven't been the kind of things that you'd like to do or you'd like to think. Christians aren't immune to fear, as it turns out. We're, we're just as susceptible to it as everyone else. But we don't have to be controlled by it. For the past week, I've been calling to mind uh, 1 Timothy 2, verse 7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us fearful, but gives us power love and self-discipline even if the worst case scenario becomes reality we actually do have the resources to put away fear and to act in ways which are wise which are kind and which are rational we can be lights of courage and hope in the in the months ahead in fact the church cannot just survive this pandemic but even thrive through it and we've seen many moments in history when the church has done exactly that in moments of crisis and i think 2 corinthians 1 lets us in on the secret to thriving in the midst of crisis it's gaining access to the deep and abiding comfort of knowing jesus and being known by him that's the secret that's the secret gaining access to the deep and abiding comfort of knowing Jesus and being known by him. And Paul, in this chapter from 2 Corinthians, uh, tells us three things about that comfort. How to find it, how to nurture it, and how to spread it. How to find it, how to nurture it, and how to spread it. So let's look at that now. First of all, how to find it. Uh, let's start with verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So Paul and his friends um, weren't trapped in the middle of a pandemic but they were in the midst of a crisis they were experiencing this brutal religious discrimination constantly in danger of beatings whippings jail time and really regularly fearing for their lives and yet in the midst of this extraordinary trial paul was able to pen these words that resound with remarkable peace he's filled with such comfort that anxiety is replaced with praise and thanksgiving. He's tapped into these, this incredible reserve of grace and peace that comes from God. Now, I think the way Christians sometimes talk about comfort, it's, it sometimes comes across as a bit shallow and almost cliched. You know, you might have heard someone say, maybe you've said it yourself, you know, it's, this is, it's all just God's plan. It's all part of God's plan. It's just we're part of God's plan. And, and it's true. We are part of God's plan. I think that's an absolute true statement. But, but by itself, it, it kind of misses the richness of what that statement, what, what's behind that statement. 
It makes God seem really far away. Like he's off somewhere in heaven pulling the strings on earth and we're just like unknowing pawns in some mystical plan, cut off from seeing any reason, any purpose or logic to it all. And so we're told, or we think, tell ourselves even, we just have to have faith. We just have to have faith. And we do have to have faith. But we see here the faith of the Apostle Paul. We find that it's in a God that has brought him comfort, but it's not blind faith. It's not faith in something far away and inscrutable. It's not kind of gritting his teeth and closing his eyes and going, faith, got to have faith, got to have faith. No, it's, it's faith in something for him that is as real and as near as it could possibly be. We see that Paul says, our comfort abounds, what? Through Christ. Our comfort abounds through Christ. In other words, his comfort is drawn from this real historical event. One that for him was actually only a few decades in the past. The suffering and the death of Jesus Christ. Now, how could that bring him comfort? Well, Paul knows that any amount of suffering, any amount of trial, any amount of pain that he could possibly experience was borne by Christ through the cross and through the grave. That Jesus actually paid it all. Shame, pain, suffering, and death. So that believers might share in what comes next in the story. Glory and honor and life and resurrection. He knows that his life is wholly bound to Christ's. So he is more than willing to endure anything that might come because he knows that Jesus has ripped out the fangs of death. Indeed, uh, as he would later write in 1 Corinthians, or earlier would write in 1 Corinthians, where, O death, is your sting? Paul's faith is not blind, do you see? It's fastened on something that is real. It's fastened on Christ and what Christ has done for him. Now, we have access to the same source of comfort that Paul did. Paul wasn't some supernatural guy, had some mystical or secret knowledge. No, we have the same spirit of God that Paul does, and Paul did. Jesus invites us to moor our lives to him as an anchor in the storm. He invites us to be fully present by his spirit with God. He wants us to feel hope for our hurts, calm in the chaos, joy in the unknown. We don't yet know what trouble awaits us in the next few months. Maybe it will all be over in a few weeks from now and we'll go, well, that was it. Or maybe it will just be beginning. We don't know. Everything that we're hearing from media and government and health uh, officials is that we could be in for a long wait. But we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Not loss of health, nor loss of income, nor loss of employment, not an economic downturn, not a lockdown, not even the loss of loved ones. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. God doesn't promise to remove us from trouble. He simply promises to be with us in trouble.
and even to work for, through it for, for our good. So we can awaken to each new day with a prayer of praise and thanksgiving because there is nothing to be afraid of. We have found deep comfort in Christ. So that's, that's where we can find it. That's the source of our comfort. Uh, but how do you nurture it? Because the nature of comfort is it's sometimes hard to hold on to. You, you feel it one moment and then another news update brings back that old fear and anxiety. So let's see how Paul nurtured his faith. Um, let's go from verse 8. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but this happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. So God has brought Paul to the end of himself. He's an incredibly resourceful and intelligent man, but what he faces now is more than he can handle. He felt like a man on death row, completely abandoned to his fate. It takes coming to the end of yourself to come to the beginning of the gospel. Paul began to turn his gaze to what he knew about God, that God had rescued them from deadly perils before, and he would again. Now, what did he have in mind? Well, perhaps he had something in mind um, in his recent life past himself, a miraculous delivery. But he also knows his Bible, his, for him, his Old Testament. He knows the scriptures. He knows how God has worked redemption and rescue for God's people for thousands of years, each time allowing his people to come to the edge of themselves, to the end of themselves, so that then they could rely on him completely. God's mercy is that he works through our great trials to teach us not to rely on our own resourcefulness, which runs out so quickly, but on his mighty strength. Comfort can only be nurtured by continually reminding yourself of who God is and what he's done, of coming again to discover in his perfect strength, compassion, love, mercy, kindness, and justice. Retelling again and again his story of redemption and rescue in Jesus, that he saved us from the deadly perils of sin and death and that he will save us again. I believe that now more than ever, we need to regain those classic old spiritual disciplines, the old habits and rhythms of the Christian life that are actually designed to do this. They're designed to nurture comfort because they replay for us the story of God, his faithfulness, his love. They're God's gift to us. So family, here is what we must do. We must regularly, we must daily go to the scriptures, especially the Psalms and the Gospels, I think. We must uh, go to the, to the Bible. We must go to prayer, bringing to God our every request and concern. We must fast even. It might be something you've never done before. The ancient practice of giving up physical comforts so as to gain spiritual comforts, although you might say that we're all fasting at the moment <laughs> by necessity. <laughs> if not by choice. 
We must learn how to reflect and meditate on the things of God, slowing down our lives to seek a clearer vision of the beauty of Christ. And we must be the church, friends. We must take every opportunity to gather a spiritual family because we're going to have to remind ourselves in the coming weeks and months about God's faithfulness, about his love, his kindness, and the hope that we have in Jesus. Throughout history, we have seen God use these times of crisis to nurture his people in faith, hope, and love. And this is one of those times. The deep and abiding comfort of God is so valuable for us. In fact, it's too valuable to keep to ourselves. Paul imagines comfort as like this sustainable resource. The more you, you give it away, the more it grows in you. And so we must not just keep this comfort for ourselves in the, in the family of God, but share it with others. And that's what Paul says. Verse 3, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. You see that? Christians have this remarkable calling in times of trouble. It's to be a non-anxious presence in a very anxious world. People not overly fixated on their own needs, but who look to the needs of others. Paul are people who, who don't get angry at the government, but actually praise for the government. People who, doesn't, who don't panic by, but give generously, even when it means they risk running out themselves. People with a manner and a presence that brings peace and calm to conversations and situations full of fear. People who don't just say, she'll be right and, and get on with it, but also who aren't petrified by the worst case scenario. Instead, people who make wise decisions and refuse to give in to fear. People like that may well be asked, what is the reason for this hope that you have? And I pray that we'll have an answer for that question when it comes. God has given us in this time, God has given us this time to reveal just how good the good news of Jesus really is. It's a chance like none we have experienced in our lifetimes to show the world what it really means to call Jesus our Lord, our Savior, our friend. It means hope. It means love. It means acceptance. It means kindness. It means care. It means security. It means perseverance. It means courage. And family, it means comfort. It means comfort. I'm going to pray. And then going to, uh, we're going to have members of our community pray, some who are here in my living room uh, and some who are not. So... Um, we're going to give this a go and see how it works. Let me pray first. Gracious Father, we ask for you to give us the comfort of your Holy Spirit. Be with us, be present with us, minister to us, and remind us of your great story. Father, we pray for this world. 
as the infection spreads and as the death toll moves up and up. We pray, Father, that your church would be activated to bring comfort to this world. And Father, we pray that in your great mercy and kindness, you would hold back this pandemic and bring it to a swift end. And Father, hear the prayers of your people around the world. This day, the Lord's day. Hear them and respond to them, Father, as we know you love to and do. Because we have access to your throne room by the death of Christ. And because the Holy Spirit brings our groans to you in a way which cannot possibly understand. Hear us, Father. Amen.